Hello and welcome to another episode of the CG Garage. This is episode number 408 featuring Kali Bunker and Richard Kidd over at Prototype. Kali is the CTO and Richard Kidd is a senior producer and digital human consultant. A fascinating startup company uh, that's doing some very interesting work in the digital human realm. Uh, and they're looking at a lot of interesting things going on. Kristen, what did you think of it? Oh, this is like a really interesting podcast. You're going to want to listen to it. Uh, at first, we get to hear a little deep dive of Coley and Richard um, on their backgrounds and what how it led them to where they are now. And then we also get the inside scoop of Prototype and what they are doing with digital humans. Yeah, really cool stuff there. Uh, obviously, as you guys know, I have a fascination with digital humans, you know, worked on the WikiHuman project myself, uh, and I've done a bunch of other things in that area. So you know, finding out where that's evolving and seeing sort of the what I would call seems to me that prototype is working on some what we would call very, very, very high quality digital humans, uh, and leveraging a lot of machine learning uh, on, on some extremely high quality data. Uh, so to me, it's really interesting to see where they're going. Coley and Richard are very knowledgeable in this area and it was really interesting to see what's happening uh fascinated to know uh what's going on the prototype and definitely i'm going to be following them a great deal in the future um okay Kristen, uh we don't have any since it's the beginning of the year things are still in flux and happening we don't have any new product announcements just yet but we do have a couple of events going on at the end of the month so why don't you let people know about that all right, so you can find these out at chaos.com slash events. The first one is going to be on January 23rd. It will be a free webinar, and it is real-time to photo reel with Inkscape and V-Ray for Revit. So um, that will be a fun one. And on January 25th, it will be another webinar. It's the tools and techniques to visualize an eco-friendly home. So you can learn how to render an animated virtual tour with Chaos Vantage and V-Ray 6 for SketchUp. So again, chaos.com com slash events to find out more. Perfect. And that's on the Jan- January 23rd for the first one and January 25th for the second one. So make sure and follow us uh, at chaos.com slash events to find out more about those and how to register. Uh, and if you'd like to know anything about that. Uh, great. And if people want to know more about the podcast, where can they go? You can go to facebook.com slash CG garage podcast or chaos.com slash CG garage. And if you'd like to watch us, go to youtube.com slash chaos group TV. Perfect. And if you have any ideas or questions or comments or suggestions for other podcasts, we'd love to hear from you. Labs at chaos.com uh, would be the best place to do that. Uh, I do. I did mention it last time that I am doing um, a lot of research in terms of uh, AI work, in terms of what we need to discuss on this podcast on AI work. There's a lot of ethical questions. There's a lot of technology questions. It's, tons of questions about AI stuff going on right now. And I really want to be able to address that and bring those to light. If you guys have any suggestions of those specific topics in terms of guests or what you'd like to hear, we would love to hear from you. Again, uh, as Kristen mentioned earlier, it's labs uh, at chaos.com is our email. Make sure and email us there. We'd love some suggestions. I got a couple in the works that I'm working on right now, but any other suggestions would be super welcome. Uh, especially what I'm mostly interested in, just so you know, sorry to drag this on, is different points of view. So if you have two different people with two different points of view about a certain subject, I would love to have both of them on and have a discussion between all of us and have more of a roundtable kind of idea. So please let us know. It'd be great to have that. All right. But for now, please enjoy episode number 408 with Kali Bunker and Richard Kidd from Prototype. Welcome to another CG Garage, where the chaos group talks. 
You'll know it's over when the last bucket drops. We're gonna fire off rays in high dynamic range. We know that ambient occlusion is passe. Global illumination won't lead you astray. And while image-based lighting is really swell, you need to make sure everything has for now. As, as many of my listeners know, that I have actually had a big passion about digital humans for a long, long time. But actually, I haven't. It hasn't been in a in a part of what I've been talking about for a while. I've been, you know, wrapped up in things like NFTs and AI art for a while. So going back to digital humans is kind of like going back to your mother. You know, kind of find, oh, I love digital humans, and sort of thinking about uh, what they can do. Uh, but uh, I actually, you know, before we get started, let's get a little introduction to you guys uh, and then a little bit, tell us a little bit about what Prototype is and, and sort of get a, a little sense of, of where this conversation is going. So, so Kali, let's start with you. What's, what's your background and how did you end up where you are now? <laughs> well, uh, believe it or not, I've dealt with faces most of my career, so it's kind of a natural progression to the digital side of it. Um, I've been doing beauty for... Uh, about 22 years for mm. pretty much any star you can think of. I've worked on them uh, in, in the traditional sense, uh, doing visual effects or beautifying them for their Hollywood look. Um, uh, yeah, for a very long time. So I uh, started a long time ago at Rhythm and Hughes, uh, not okay. doing beauty, but uh, doing visual effects and, and slowly got sucked into music videos of all things. And um, uh, somebody once told me, if you know, if you learn how to do beauty, you always have a job, which right now, I don't know if that's going to happen because of, of where AI and digital humans are going. So they may have been wrong, but uh, time uh, always proves everyone wrong at one point or another. Sure. <laughs> For sure. Are, were you a flame artist over at Rhythm? Uh, I was a, oh God, chalice. chalice. I worked on chalice. Yes. Wow. I haven't heard that I, one in a while. <laughs> I was uh, I was a flame artist, but I I worked on Chalice there, um, and they did their own in-house thing called Icy, but mm-hmm. I didn't get to work on Icy. I worked on Chalice, so. on the Grinch actually. On the Grinch, okay, all right, all right. That's a really cool show. Uh, remember that one? DD worked on some other portions of the of Grinch as well. Uh, that was where I got some of my my, my background. Um, okay, cool. Well, it's interesting. We'll talk about beauty work in a second. So, so, so that's your background in there. And what about you, Richard? What's your, what's your background? Yeah. So my background is, uh, uh, I have a degree in computer engineering, specialized in computer simulation, got in the business, uh, directly into visual effects, um, worked at a small company, um, originally, uh, a small company called uh, vision art design and animation in Santa Monica. Um, yeah. And actually, that that is where I got my first start in digital humans. We actually did. We were doing some TV shows for the UPN network, and I literally did digital doubles in 1994, um, uh, where, you know, obviously it was at nighttime and it was a black suit and it was in the rain or, or it was really small, <laughs> you know, yep. jumping from building to building. But um, that's, you know, I've, I started um, back then and, and, and a year or so later, I went to Digital Domain and, and did some of the, our, all the early R&D work for the digital humans that would be on the Titanic. Um, and so, um, gotcha. so that just sort of started and, and my whole career has not been exclusively digital humans, um, but, uh, but just, a, a, you know, a num- but I've always sort of had digital humans throughout that visual effects career and then. 
Um, when I sort of retired of visual effects, um, I got into virtual reality, which then led me back into digital humans and photorealistic, <laughs> needing photorealistic environments in, to sort of bring you into that virtual reality space. And so got deeper into um, virtual, got back into really digital humans or got deep into it um, in the last six years. So, um, yeah, so that's that's sort of my background and uh, and my sort of touch points with uh, some of the touch points from the beginning to sort of more current digital humans. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I mean, I, I, it's true. It was like people forget about some of those, those digi doubles were, were done for, for long time. So when people talk about digital humans, it's like, no, 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 you know, this goes beyond Benjamin buttons, right? I was like, <laughs> there yeah, was stuff that yeah. was being done, uh, you know, and uh, in those days as well. And so did you must've worked with Andy Jones and those guys over at the, Oh yeah. No, Andy yeah. really well. He was, uh, I think well, he sat right. It's next funny to you guys mentioned that. So, um, yeah, we worked real I worked on a talking uh, dog a show at Nickelodeon right about the same time as the Grinch. So yeah, yeah. Uh, it's full circle. Now we're doing a uh, talking humans. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So I know that I know, I, I, you know, obviously we, I got in touch with you guys cause I was chit chatting with, with uh, a mutual friend, Eric Sanford, who also worked with at DD. Uh, and he's obviously told me, I was like, yeah, I'm working on this new company named prototype and we're doing some digital human stuff. So I am curious about like, what is, I mean, um, sounds to me like you may not necessarily be able to tell us everything but you definitely can give us a, a, some bird's eye perspective of what is prototype and how what is it all about and what how are digital humans fitting into the environment that you guys are working on <laughs> i can jump in there uh, I think, richard yeah yeah <laughs> i mean i think i think though the, the the easy way to sort of look at it is that we're we are a digital human company first right there there are companies that are visual effects companies uh that use digital humans or work with digital humans, but we're a digital human centric company. So we're about building and performing digital humans um, of the highest caliber and quality. So that is really what, you know, there's people in it at different levels and trying to perform them at different levels and do little snippets here or snippets there. And I, I sort of describe it to people as sort of, you think of a visual effects company, you might like build a digital human, but then you, um, but then you'll use it for one second here or five seconds here. You know, you've got 30 shots in the movie or a hundred shots in the movie. It really doesn't matter, but, but you're doing it specifically for these pieces as opposed to building a digital human that then can be used in any number of ways. And obviously you customize it for different ways that you use it, but you're centered around the human as opposed to a project that might happen to use this and plenty of other things. So we're, we're, we're different from, say, a visual effects company that works in digital humans in that way, basically. So, so would you call it a general purpose digital human? <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess. I mean, it, it really is it's really encompassing all the things that, you know, uh, a digital human is, right? And, and, and sort of you're creating, um, you know, you're creating human beings that happen to be digital. Um, and so the, the, you want all the talents and abilities, right, of, of that human, um, as opposed to, you know, a facade or a shell or, you know, a visual representation. You know, there's, there's yes, there are those parts. And, and depending on what you're using it for, you might only use those parts, but you also may get deeper into other ways. So, and when we're obviously, we're looking at, at the high end of the market. So it's really about, 
you know, looking at the AI machine learned with the traditional CG approaches and how do we use those different technologies to get what we need in any given scenario and also not just in the given scenario, but for the best possible result, right? Like there's a lot in the space right now um, about how we use the different technologies to get the best looking stuff, whether it's neural rendering, um, machine learn and deep fake on top of CG or in place of, you know, and you just get the best of all the different technologies and how do you put those together or, to get the absolute best result. What were you going to say, then, Kelly? Um, and then, uh, you know, the purpose, what is, uh, is, is it a existing person a made up person? What's the project? It's, it's just taking that digital human as an act, using them as an actor or a presence and then moving that forward, depending on what the, uh, the project entails or what the people are in need of. Right. So it's interesting. So let's say, let's say you have, I'm going to just say digital person A, right? <laughs> right. And so digital person A could arbitrarily be based on a real person or be based on a completely fictitious person, right? So like uh, avatar helper person, right? That's another popular thing that are that is going on, right? So I want my I want Alexa with a face or or whatever I want to do, or or so uh, so th that that person you you mentioned Richard several different techniques that are widely different in terms of a data set of what that person could be, right? You could either create massively detailed detailed scans with pores and teeth and you know all the fact shapes or people are well beyond fact shapes at this point but you know just all the different types of blends and 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 motion capture technology and ai uh, interpreted uh, things or you could go full deep fake technology to mimic to do all the the way strange 2d morphing techniques that are done in in deep fakes so yeah. do you guys sort of encompass all of that inside of this human and the, and how do you how do you capture that human <laughs> i, I, I yeah. do believe it depends on the purpose right it, it right we want to create our human to be able to be virtual uh, versatile so depending on the task is where the technology will take it so that's yeah, I, I think I think wanted to add on to what Kali's saying is like I think you're, you know, we're we're developing technology. We're you know using some existing technology and developing new technologies in all those different areas, right? So and part sure. of what we're find, you know seeing and and you can see in some of the research that's been done already, um, there are certain techniques that are completely independent, right? And then there are some where we start to overlay those two, right? Where you're doing you know a CG but you're add or adding neural network inferencing um, on top of the CG work that's being done. You can do it independent, but you can also sort of do that stuff together um, and get even better results. Um, so there's a lot of research being done in all these different areas and each one has their own, um, uh, you know, pluses and minuses. Unique, <laughs> pluses and minuses, exactly. Like you, you've seen it, right? Deep fake. I mean, you've seen we've, deep fake's been around for a while now. But mm -hmm. the question is, what can you do and what can't you do with those? And right. it's just a straightforward deep fake. How do you get the advantages of that and not the disadvantages? And how do you weave those things together? And that's what's really important, right, about putting together a team that can think outside the box and also layer some of these technologies, right? So it's really about finding the best people, you know, that can work together on these things. Because there's, you know, look, there's companies that exist already, um, the, the big guys. 
that do amazing CG work. And obviously they're looking into new things too, but you know, they're focused on one thing and they do it really well and they can just keep doing what they're doing exactly that way and make it just incrementally better and better and better. But there's whole new areas that open up when you can use some of these new technologies to get places faster, to extend things beyond, um, to extend methodology, to be able to, to uh, get characters built faster or, or do a specific thing. And so I think that's, that's really what, you know, sort of our advantage is, is being able to not have a legacy version, but build some of the state of the art and have, um, you know, really talented people from some of the best companies and some of the best projects uh, on our roster and, and continuing to build out, of course. But there's, it's finding out how to work those things together. Sure, 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 sure. Well, let's talk a little bit about legacy because I mean, I have a very interesting, you know, point of view. I've, I mean, I don't know if you guys uh, remember, but I, I started a, something called the WikiHuman Project several many years ago, and I was sort of fascinated by 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 it. And the thing that frustrated me the most, and I think you guys will be sympathetic to this, is that so many people were trying to reinvent the wheel with digital humans, and everyone was trying to like start from scratch and didn't know, and they were like. They got all this ingredients and they never knew how to put it together correctly. And they all sort of like took years independently of each other to do that. And I sort of got frustrated with that uh, concept. And that's what I've sort of got together with, 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 uh, with Paul DeBevic and sort of looked at what the data coming out of the light stage was. And sort of that to me at that time was like, this is the gold standard of data, right? If I'm going to look at the light stage this is it. I've got very high quality uh, geometry. I've got the best de information in terms of color and in terms of specular and all of that. And if I technically put two plus two and get four out of the back end, I know I've got the right answer, right? And to me, that was sort of the problem is that people were putting two and four together instead of two and two together and not realizing why it's not equals to four, right? Like they were like, there was frustrated with this sort of idea and sort of I sort of sort of always looked at it as like, listen, it's very simple. If you just scientifically put this all together, it's that. But things have changed since then. There's a lot more information you can do. You can infer so much more from less information that you used to. You don't need a 16K scan of a face uh, to, do, to, to get all of the poor detail to get an accurate result. So what has changed? I mean, what, what, are you, what do you get? Where's, what is your base level in, three, in CG? Do you still do scans of light stage scans of photogrammetry and things of that nature like and and what is like the good gold standard of the data for 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 people now well that's you know that's a really great question and it's really deep i mean the funny thing was we were just talking to paul about this the other day because we we were just two days ago we were at ict uh doing some scans so right. i mean i i still think that yeah they're the gold standard in sort of the original texture data set and 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 photogrammetry just sort of getting this beautiful photometric you know faces textures everything all that high quality detail having said that you know you, you know epic is uh you know through their group at three lateral and cubic is you know doing some amazing work obviously with everything that they did with metahuman now that's for you know squished down to the real-time world but the data sets that they're sort of putting together and what they're sort of developing out to, to do, you know, the next generation of this. Right. Um, and, and that's one of the things that we're sort of looking at as well, which is what is that 
data set that you need to feed to be able to create these things without perfectly scanning because if you if you're not perfectly scanning one person and recreating that exact person and you're creating something new where do you get the variety and the detail and the texture and the stuff from well traditional ways you go and you scan somebody that's close and then you make your changes and you do some stuff so i think that but what's the future of that where does ml fit into that space right um if you're going to machine learn that and sort of create variation create differences create something very quickly without having to go back and get all that and rebuild everything that's really interesting territory but it takes a really massive data set too right right Right. What is that data set? I mean, you guys have a data set that's that big that can learn from all that stuff? Are you guys deriving that? Is that part of what you guys are building? I don't know that we can talk to, to the details of what we're, <laughs> what we're building per se, but I, I would just say like in generalities is that that, that data set is massive. Um, so I think it's safe to say no one has that data set yet. Right. Um, I mean, I, I don't know what... Uh, Apple or, you know, Google or Microsoft might have been scanning for the last couple of years, but it's, uh, from what we, you know, from what most is out there, I don't think there's too many people that have that data set, um, to be able to generate that stuff. So it is still sort of build it as you go. We are looking at building that data set, um, as far as what we need to develop our technologies and go forward, you know, so, um, whether that's a hundred humans is a thousand humans, is it, you know, what is that and what are the variations that you need in textural detail and physical shape uh, in order to sort of build that to, to sort of create, um, well, I, I won't say, not, not that we're doing this, but I think that it depends on what you're doing. Like, are you trying, you know, MetaHuman is sort of building this giant, great, uh, generic, you know, build any human kind of system. And it's amazing what they've done. Um, that's a little different. There are some constraints to it though. (laughs) You can't really push it that far. It's like, it's like this much. (laughs) And and that's what I was saying is like, they, I think even, even they don't have that data set yet. Sure. Like they, 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 and I think what's, you know, um, it's that it is, it is constrained, but you know, I think you can see that probably growing significantly. Um, you definitely see it coming. Yeah. You definitely see it coming, especially with the stuff that NVIDIA is getting into with nurse and inference yes. from the nurse taking just a few photos of somebody's face and being able to extrapolate it using nurse that that is where i see you know a very fast prototyping pun intended uh uh of of facial creation coming for for the masses now whether we want to do that or not for the masses is is under is the question i, I we i think want to specialize a little more into the the film quality you know actor singer uh, Hollywood area than just okay. a generic face, depending on what the project is. I mean, if we get called to create a bunch of, uh, you know, generic characters for crowd duplication, you know, maybe that's what we pump out real quick using some kind of quick uh, algorithm to put out a generic human. But uh, the, the the Nvidia stuff is just insane. What they're what they're what they're coming up with. Did you see the newest one was uh, with three D uh, text to three D object? Yes. The newest paper. That looks really cool. Yeah. I mean, I, it's to me the, 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 one of the things like you mentioned nerf stuff that was like, I was fascinated by it because the thing that I find fascinating is like, obviously, you know, this is before a lot of the ML stuff was going on, you know, going back like eight, 10 years ago. 
at ICT, they had a ton of lights and they had a ton of cameras, right? And not a ton, but they, they did a lot of data based on those lights and cameras that they could get. What Nerf does is says you can only need 10% of that and we'll figure out the rest in between, right? Exactly. It's what's so, it's like the best in-betweeners out there is that the AI stuff is doing, is it's, right? And it's it's figuring out all the, all the steps in between so you can do much more with much less. Uh, which I find really fascinating, but I okay. I do want to. Sorry, I'm I'm going jumping all over the place because, I, like I said, I'm I'm going back to, to to my love of digital humans. When you're capturing all this stuff, and you mentioned you're wanting to capture a ton of different types of data, obviously I can imagine a ton of different humans. That makes total sense. But within each human, like when I would scan a human, we basically had like our normal set where we have a facial expression and then we try to do all the fact shapes, right? Like that was the basic way of doing things. Is that still a case? Is there a new type of data set that you want to capture a person that is better than fact shapes or that because ML, like fact shapes don't really make as much sense as they used to, right? You don't, people still use them, I guess, but it's not really. It, it depends on your back. Your background system and your uh, rigging uh, team. There, there's many different ways to go. A fact system is still great reference. 4D, uh, 4D capture is is the new gold standard in this area. So you can get the in betweens of the in between, right? Okay. So you can get all the the uh, the face. Explain a 4D capture system for our listeners here. Uh, 4D capture is when you have multiple cameras running at 60 to 120 frames a second to capture the fact shapes or performances, full-on performances, of a whole a whole song or performance of, of what you need, or just capturing the fact shapes. The fact shapes doing your, your usual, uh, you know, uh, the standard shape to capture a face so it can express uh, emotion and words is a fact, you know, the fact system. The um, fact system yeah. And then... And doing those positions and then moving in between, it gets all of that. Instead of taking one image for one fax, another image for another fax, it gets the in-between uh, micro expressions uh. of the skin and the blood all compressing and decompressing and deforming. So you get that, that, that person's essence. So the 40 right. capture captures not just a still uh, a, a moment in time, but but all the your moments time. between those times, yes. right? And that was always yes. the problem I always had is when you looked at facial expressions. This is all a traditional thing. Is like you you can tell when they hit the expressions, but it's in between. It looks CG. The in, the in <laughs> yeah. betweens are always the problem. So this is right. the, number one. The solve yeah. is a four D capture. Number two is um, machine learning, uh, right? For for rigging and facial expressions. Yeah, I think and that's that's the interesting thing is that, right, it's sort of like, you know, the easy way to think about it is just, right, 3D capture, right, you're getting 3D from that still image, right, because it's a, you know, lots of images, right, and you're reconstructing in 3D. The 4D is, right, just adding time. So you basically getting to see that through time and seeing all those details. And, yeah. and you know, the next layer, as Kali was mentioning, is like, then you got the machine learn part. Well, the machine learn part is, it's an interesting because it's like people... It's not like one thing, right? Machine learning is a technology that can be used at any layer or any part of that process, right? And so it's you're you're sort of learning from the data to be able to recreate things with a whole lot less, um, uh, a whole lot less overhead, right? You're not you're not calculating everything, so you could you know you could find ways to to simulate, um, and that's what we've always done, right? We simulate things in CG and we try to. You come up with hacks to do it so it doesn't take up too much CPU or GPU. 
But now it's sort of like, no, I'm going to build a machine learning model. Now you got to give it a lot of data so it can build this model. But once it does that, it can, you know, essentially render or create whatever you want it to create very quickly and with very low overhead. And so that's where does the, that, the, the, yeah, where does that data come from though? A 4d scan, a 40, right. Okay. So a, a lot of 4d scans, the, a, a lot, lot of 4d scans. scans yes. <laughs> Oof, that's yeah, so a lot you, of frames. It's, 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 yeah, it's, it's, okay, so now you're getting into a whole other, yeah, right? So now a huge it's data talking set, hundreds right? Talking hundreds, hundreds of terabytes Petabytes. for one character. Petabytes, oh. okay, yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah. So I see where you're, you're going. You're, yeah, and so what you're really looking at, so, so when you say fact shapes, right, you can, we still, I mean, it's still this, you know, you're still getting fact shapes, right? You know, when, and, and with 40, you're getting more than that in the in-betweens, but it's still about getting those shapes it's now just about because you can get those shapes and you got those extremes and then and then you get the in-betweens with the 40 you might be doing you know have them do a performance and say you know the quick brown fox you know jumps over the fence or whatever you know your right. your visemes or your phrases to get them to move into all yeah. their their positions but it's about sort of really developing out like all the opportunity all the ways that you can do it and then by creating all that data and the video from that data you can then, you know, learn and the model can now learn. And now you're not having to recreate that hard coded essentially. And you have a more dynamic approach to being able to do things. I mean, we've seen that, you know, right, like Ziva, I think uh, recently was showing off some of their technology with their machine learning rigging, right? So that's why mm -hmm. I'm saying you can put in any step of the process where they actually, you feed a lot of data and then it rigs it based on, you know, the data that you've sent. It's like, oh, okay, we can rig up auto rig something to be able to do all the stuff that you want it to do based on the data you gave it, told us what you wanted it to do. Interesting. Um, Interesting. And then once it does that, you know, you can then do things like, you know, again, feed, feed data to things to analyze it, to kick you back out in animation, you know, right on there. So again, that just gets to sort of like retargeting and animation stuff and you're feeding something video and now getting it to automatically, um, you know, spit you out an animation onto that rigged, you know, object that you've already created now with this data set. So all kinds of like automating these processes that used to be traditionally very intensive, like work for the artist to do. Um, you know, you got an animation department, you know, you got to rigging department, you know, modeling department, your rigging department, your animation department, and everybody's doing this by hand and you're tweaking little little cheeks and little snarls and flares and, and, and like said, blood flow, and like, just sort of like, okay, how do we get this to go here? Um, as opposed to doing all that hand massage, hand work, you're, you're, you know, creating a model so that you can generate. It's not the end all be all. I mean, maybe it will be eventually when we have these massive data sets, but it's, it's, it's the difference is sort of creating something very specific to do exactly what you want in that moment. So sort of back to that sort of visual effects example, like, okay, I've got five seconds and I just needed to do this for this, all these things I need to hit and do in this five seconds versus creating right. something that you want to fit um, and be able to sort of do everything. And the difference is you can do a, a lot of work to get one specific thing, or you can do tons more work, you know, building the model, the data set, whatever that thing is to, get to sort of, to, to get everything and build something that now when you go to use it can just do what it needs to do and you can do it a whole lot faster and a whole lot quicker. So you're building, it's like building a much bigger, wider, deeper base or base foundation. And then from that, you can move a lot faster um, than, than traditional methodologies.
Okay. I do. Do you, do you guys remember Mark Sager and baby X? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so, so that was a fascinating project. And obviously Mark was trying to create as, you know, a, a complete CG human with baby X and neural networks of their brain and everything else. But Mark uh, also did something a little bit different about the way the faces were moving is he put a muscle system into the face as opposed to doing a fat shape system. Is that still something that, I mean, you mentioned simulation before as muscle system, something that you, is still something to consider in terms of facial animation or people still rely mostly on blend shapes at this point. Uh, I do believe it's still a combination depending on the, the end result needed okay. uh, and, and, and what the artist sometimes are comfortable with, right? Uh, as we just talked about earlier, Ziva has a muscle system that is trained by a 4D facts, yeah. uh, by, by, uh, by a 4D data uh, in machine learning. And, uh, and it those derives the rig based on that, right? Yeah, Based on the muscle system. And it can do it right. for not just faces. It does it for bodies and hands and fingers right. uh, and characters. Uh, so uh, I think in the grand scheme, a muscle system is still probably superior, but depending on the job. Like if it's just a face, I figure I feel eventually it'll have enough training. It probably doesn't need the muscle system underneath. Right. But if you're doing a character that has never been done before, a muscle system would get that to the next. You know, it would infer the, the right stretching and pulling and and popping to the right places. So it, it, it all, as usual, depends on the project or or the the, the end result. But I think that's really right. That goes to the base of like like what we're what you're trying to achieve and where things are going, right? When you look at what we're doing now, or what has been done, what's being done now, and then where things are going, which is, you know, traditionally we're always like, hey, we need to make it more real, more real, more real. How do we make it more real? But making it more like reality. Make, do you know we need? Oh, you know, we just used the had the flesh on the skin originally, right? That's all we could sort of go. And then somebody finally went like, well, wait a minute, if I actually put a muscle in there and get that, you know, enveloping and, and, and that to sort of push out the skin. I mean, even in Jurassic Park, right? They were doing that. Right. Um, you know, so you're create that muscle system, sort of push things and, 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 and sort of get it to be more realistic, but you got to simulate all that stuff. And of course we were hacking it because you could only do so much, right? Um, with the computers that we had at the time. But it's like you're, you're hacking that, uh, that system to sort of simulate a version, low, you know, uh, low uh, weight version of a muscle system to sort of create that skin bending and shaping on that stuff. Well, what, you know, what we're going with, you know, as we move forward, right, is you're getting more and more of that. Where, where can we bring in the machine learning? Where can we bring in the AI that is not that doesn't require us to simulate it? Or we're simulating essentially in a different way, right? We're getting tons and tons and tons of data um, that we feed in and then we get out good looking stuff because we've given it so much that we can do. And obviously there's algorithms and a lot of work that goes into that, but it's, but it's once you've built that, right? You then just sort of keep tweaking and tweaking, but you can just spit the stuff out. I see. I tell people it's sort of like the difference between, you know, if you're doing a, you know, like a real time human, like if you're doing a real time human, you're going to have to put a lot, a lot of workload in, right. To get it to be really good. But then once you're done with it and at whatever level you think is good enough for you, once you start using that, right, you can do 20 minutes of content in 20 minutes. You're just performing right. that character in real time, as opposed to, you know, the traditional sort of CG approach of like, we're doing this for a movie and it's got to look perfect. And you're like, spend, you know, you can, you can do a 10 minute segment in a movie 
right? And it takes you thousands of artists, uh, you know, years. years. <laughs> um, yeah. And, and, and you get that 10 minute segment. Well, now you got to do another 10 minute segment. You're basically starting over from scratch, right? Yeah, like yeah. there's, yeah, sure. You're carrying a little bit, but you're not carrying a lot of that. You're, you're starting over as opposed to the, you know, creating the foundation that you then get real time content, you know, like that. And it's sort of the similar kind of idea of like, Hey, you can simulate everything, but that's going to, and, and, you know, theoretically that's, you know, the way to go if we can just get it all to work. Um, but the amount of compute intensive that it takes for that, if we can now feed, use maybe some of that simulation to feed the model, to be able we'll to kick model, us back right. out. Yeah. And so then, it's interesting. We, so, uh, go, sorry, go ahead. Finish up. <laughs> no, I just, I was just to say exactly that you use that to feed the model, but that takes a lot of data and then you just go, okay, well, where else can we feed? Where can we cut some corners so that we don't have to create this massive, massive data set? I mean, you, it's it's right. sort of like looking at the whole, you know, autonomous vehicles, right? When you look at that kind of thing and, and the whole thing of like, how many billions of miles driven do you need to be able to feed the model to teach the cars how to drive? You know, right. um, it's, it's a similar kind of uh, process. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Now there's, there's different ways, obviously, you know, we, you know, I've been looking at digital humans for, for, for a long time. I started getting interested in obviously when I saw so, what is possible with, with, uh, with Benjamin buttons, but then, you know, it became this thing became a very big deal as you guys, I'm sure are all very aware of this. When they, they made digital Tupac, it was like, hold on a second, <laughs> you know? Right. And then there was this big like ethics question that was happening and then obviously as you know with 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 um um with uh deep fakes it was like oh no it's gonna completely change I, I actually hosted several panels before the election where it was like the election's gonna be completely changed by deep fakes it turns out you know what you don't actually need deep fakes to to, <laughs> to, 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 to win an election to change an election just, you just, just need to just a few tweets and straight up lying works just fine. So, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so, uh, so the digital humans had nothing to do with that. But what is interesting to me is like, okay, obviously, you know, like you look at digital Tupac, which is the entertainment side of thing where people are like, oh yeah, I want to see my dead celebrities or those types of things. Right. And then you also look at like baby acts where like, I'm just going to completely recreate a human inside of the computer and try to make that happen. Right. And then you look at these in between parts was like, I want an avatar. I want something for my for my virtual reality space for my game or some kind of interactive human of some kind. Where are you guys in the middle of this this mesh of stuff? Because you've mentioned a lot of R and D going into feeding a data set to make the digital human faster and easier and more real time. But where are you guys in between that? Are you guys creating that so that the entertainment side becomes easier? Or are you creating that so that you can create a you know, an autonomous avatar of some kind, or are you everywhere in between of that? Um, I, I, I think, I, I mean, I think that we can say that like, there's obviously at this point we're we're focusing on that sort of very high end entertainment version of the photorealistic, um, you know, uh, huge digital human. So, okay. you know, where did that, where does that go from here? Um, I think there we have a lot of avenues um, that we're that we're looking at, um, but you know, day one, are we building the uh, the fully autonomous AI brained, you know, <laughs> digital human? Like, like I think it's safe to say, um, after all the you know a decade of Apple and you know uh, Amazon trying to create Siri and Alexa, 
that we know that the fully autonomous AI brained, um, you know, just digital helper doesn't exist, right? So the idea that we're we're going to create that also with the visual representation, I think, is, is and or doesn't even seem to be profitable for Amazon. Just I was just going to bring that up, Kali. Kali, so, they're, they're actually going to so, they're going to cut the funds on Alexa yeah. because she's not making enough money for them. It it's not. It's a loss leader. It's, it's not really anything that uh, seemed to turn out well for. Apparently, them. Amazon doesn't make money when people ask it what the weather is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean. We're, we're, we're we're looking at the entertainment side uh, okay. at many different angles and strategic alliances with different people or entities uh, to to bring these to different areas, right? And okay. we can't we can't elaborate too much, but um, you know we can't. We're a very small startup, yep. so we're I think we're about bringing a lot of different things together and not necessarily reinventing the wheel, but trying to find the little pieces where we do glue them together right right because uh, you know we, we can't be ilm and we can't be epic but where's the pieces in between we can fit and hopefully right. we can find those wedge areas and and make some amazing things yeah i mean i'm sure there's sort of a uh a a a a, 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 a Something was that yours, Bell, or my Bell? No, wasn't my. Sorry, no, I think he. I, I think he dinged in for the answer. <laughs> no, I think, I, but, yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, uh, uh, what I is think, digital human? Yeah, <laughs> that was pretty good. Uh, what was uh, the, so? I'm, there, I'm sure there's also you know thinking about you know just scanning people, right? The idea of of creating digital archives of people at a certain point in time is also something that I find is very interesting uh, as well. Uh, some people, what is Obviously, you guys work on high end, and you're 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 looking at a lot of stuff in Hollywood. I'm sure you have connections. You guys are based in LA. I'm, I think you're based in LA. Is that correct? You are based in LA. Yes. Uh, so I'm assuming that you guys have mixed reactions from the uh, from the Hollywood base about digital humans. There are certain people that are like absolutely no, like they put it in their contract of no digital humans or whatever, like trying to protect their identity or their things. And then I'm sure there's other people like, you know what? I kind of want an archive of this. <laughs> I tell you what, when when money when they start looking at the money, I, uh, those contracts uh, they look thinner and thinner. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a whole new realm. I think it's it's becoming it's becoming thinner and thinner that the, the, the pushback because people are starting to get used to the idea. I think there's sure. a lot of people that were always saying no, that, that see the potential and the interest in something that has never been done before. I mean, it's not just a realistic digital human. You could do that, but where do you take it? You know, you, you could take it to places we don't even know right now. So the, I think the people are starting to think about that and, and want to explore those areas uh, sure. and, you know, the archival process or, or the extrapolation. Like, where can we take this? It doesn't, it can be me, but better or bigger, stronger, different looking. You know, the, the creativity here is where we want to strive and we want to, we want to look at and take that to a different level. Yeah, I think it's really important to you know, just really look, step back and look at the macro, right? I mean, this is sort of like the idea of like, uh, you know, from radio to television and people going like, yeah, this thing is a gimmick. Like, what is, you know, what's going to do? Or, you know, I got one channel or two, you know, this is, I mean, it's the future and people will all accept it. It just takes certain, you know, it takes a lot of people a lot longer than than some of us. <laughs> so, sure. I mean, the the thing is, is that, 
it, 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 you know, you look at it, no one has a problem watching Minority Report, right? And seeing Tom Cruise run into a mall and a, and a billboard start talking to him and selling him a, a shirt, right? They, they love it, right? This is like a future. Worked on that. Um, yeah, yeah. They're like, this is amazing, right? Um, but then when you start, you know, you, you're actually implementing these things and you're going like, well, how does that work? I mean, I think, I mean, just even a couple of years ago, you know, um, you know, there's, you know, there's, I mean, there's digital idols in China, right. That sell out sure. concerts. Right. And those aren't even photorealistic. These are, we're talking about, you know, anime style characters. You look at Hatsune Miku out of Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, these are very successful things. You know, you come over the West and people are like, yeah, but I mean, I mean, our Westerners going to be into that. And you're like, well, first of all, Westerners are, you know, only a small part of, of the, uh, of the, the globe. But, um, but you start to see it. I mean, look at ABBA Voyage, right? ABBA Voyage in, in, in London, you know, is I think it's six shows a week. Yeah, I mean, six, six days, two shows a day or something like that. I mean, they're selling out. I mean, it's um, for those people who aren't familiar with it. I mean, they recreated the Swedish, you know, pop band ABBA from the 1970s. And they're, they're doing a, a stage show with, you know, digital recreations. And um, it's amazing. And people accept it. And some people think it's real. And, um, you know, it's. I think that it, it just takes time for the general public, but the reality is it's just, it's, it's a no brainer. I mean, if you had an Alexa next to your bed that had a visual representation, um, you know, and you could talk to her and, you know, and you would, you would buy more stuff, right? It, it, it would be worth something. I mean, we, we already know, like there's been multiple studies done over the last six years, especially in relates to the VR space and, and, and AR space, which is, you know, if you have an emotional connection with a brand, you know, you're much more likely to buy. Um, you're also more likely, you know, you're likely to buy, I think, twice as much stuff if you have this emotional connection. So a physical representation or, or a virtual, you know, representation of, uh, you know, visually that you can see and not just talk to Alexa, right? One of the biggest problems with, you know, these assistants is you never know when they're listening, right? And people don't like that. Well, if I have a visual representation and I know when she's listening and not, I'm going to feel a lot more comfortable having her in my space. I'm also going to be comfortable saying more things to her when I can see her like a real human being. I mean, I think it's pretty safe to say that most of the, you know, most of the large internet companies are working on uh, some visual representation, sort of the next level of the internet. I mean, if you think of chatbot and every website you go to, there's a chat AI customer phone. service. <laughs> yeah. Hi, yeah, I'll be your and, customer and, service agent today. Right. Well, and even even from a luxury brand standpoint, right? I mean, it, you go to a website and you, every single one has a little chatbot trying to help you out, right? But if actually a face popped up of someone that was attractive to you, you know, that fits your, your, your mold and says, hey, you know, welcome to the Gap or whatever it is. How can I help you find something? What are you looking for? And you're like, well, I'm looking for some tops for a male or I'm looking for tops for a wife or, you know. Or, and then it, uh, it – and, and then, and then it they pops say, well, up and it's got the shirt on. Well, how about this? <laughs> you can have a virtual shopper right on your screen. You know, you never know where it could go. All right. Yeah. But I think that that's, but I think that is something that, you know, to, to understand is that a visual representation of what we're, um, you know, what we're interacting with is so much more engaging. Right. And so, and it's so, you know, that, and it's faster and it's easier. Right. So, that's, I think we, we can look at it in those consumer models um, to sort of understand that this is just, 
this is just the future. It's not a question of like, how weird is this? How strange is that? Do I want my representation? Of course, you're going to want your actor representation to live beyond you because your estate's going to be making money, you know, as, as they continue to put you in movie after movie, even after you're long gone. And that sounds a little weird now to us because it's never been possible. But when you think of the possibilities and you can extend yourself, it only makes it's only natural when you consider, look at the extension that's happening right now in this space. If you're a pop star. Well, look what Bruce Willis is doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that was a rumor, wasn't it? No, the I Russian think company that bought his likeness. Was I, it a rumor or was it a reality? I think it, it, was a re- it was a rumor. It was a rumor. It was fake news, actually. Really? It, yeah, <laughs> it was. It was. Well, uh, I'm confirming it, with a fact it, checker. But I, I yes, remember it, it, saying it, it, that... The, it was fake news. I don't want to. I don't want to say it if it was false. But I do remember. I was like, "Oh, that's really interesting." Yeah, yeah. he denies selling his deep fake rights to uh, uh, to anyone. So well, it was I, it was a fake just... news article. But it's it it's totally believable. It's going to happen. Yeah, They're exactly. Gonna... I was going to get it. So the other the other people I was talking to was the the corridor crew guys, right? And they used a bunch of deep fakes. They put Keanu Reeves into a into their short, right? And I'm like, oh, oh. Okay. And it's like, well, I can't afford the real Keanu Reeves, so I'll just use a deep fake version of him, right? <laughs> and so and it's like, well, oh, then, duh. <laughs> right? And then you get but, into all these 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 rights and copyrights, and uh, uh, there's so many legal questions going forward from here. Right. Uh, what if Keanu Reeves is doing a commercial in Russia? What what recourse does he have? Probably That's, none. So it's right. a weird. It's also a very weird time to live. Like it, it your is life just can be used against your will. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I was actually in a. I was on a panel with the with the SAG AFTRA team that were all concerned about this whole thing as well. And I was like, and that was sort of the same discussion that we were having. It's like, well, part of you is going to want to have an archive of yourself because of exactly what what Richard was saying, and then part of you is going to go like, but wait a minute, what if someone got that data and they could start taking, you know, using well, it without me knowing about it? Maybe like music, uh, they have those restrictions when it senses the right, the wrong music. We need to come up with a visual system that matches. No right. crap. There's right. an idea. Yeah. 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 yeah <laughs> but there is actually right. there are people uh, there. New there business are, plan. There are there are deep there are definitely deep fake detectors that are out there. There was another guy who uh, I spoke to who's been developing some of that technology as well, specifically to fight fake news and things of that nature. But um, yeah. it doesn't always I mean, work, think- you know. Yeah, and I think, but but I think what you have to look at, right, is is that these are the kinds of things that, that these problems are going to go rise, right, and then they'll create new problems with and new solutions, and and more people, you know, somebody can develop that software, like you're saying, a deepfake detector, and now he's making money off of that. I mean, I think the reality is like, look, we don't stop making movies because they get pirated even, in other countries, right? Even I mean, if it's and a those big, get taken if, without, they get taken without their the the desire and you know of the of the companies that own those rights. And, you know, okay. we work within our, our governments to be able to sort of minimize these kinds of things. Um, and I think it's going to be the same thing. Right, exactly. It'll just be, you know, deep fake detector is one thing. But then if it's detected on YouTube, then they, they monetize their image. Like, oh, you use my image. Well, I get that advertising now just like the songs make. Or it gets right. blocked completely if it's on a legitimate site that is detecting those things. You either monetize it or it gets blocked. And the yeah. other part is, you know, uh, back into uh, 
parody or, you know, there's a lot of different directions this could go. So I'm sure that Congress is going to be making all sorts of new laws and ASCAP and, and everybody. Well, not- yeah. I mean, this has brought, this has come up a few times. I'm talking about what governments are going to take over, but the, the, unfortunately when, as you guys know, when this type of technology, especially any kind of ML or AI technology starts to get developed, it's so hard to try to control that. I always liken it to saying it's like it's like trying to take pee out of a pool. Like you know, you're just just it's just there. You're not going to deal with it. Like you just just it's it's just there. But I'm well, trying to you know. Go ahead, Kelly. Well, yeah, you're not wrong. It's always going to be the fringe or whatever. But you know, you could you could lock it down with blockchain. Uh, but there's always ways to get around anything. It's just sure. a matter of of how yeah. The cat's going to be out of bag no matter what, but there will be ways that, that you can lock something down and monetize it, and right. and actually get the work, the value of the creative, and and hopefully make some money from that creative as every artist wants to. Sure, 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 sure. Uh, well, and then sounds like you guys are going to be able to help them out. <laughs> Either way, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. Uh, but okay, I want to I want to go back to a, to an, to an old an old school topic in digital humans and sort of see how far we've gotten. Let's talk about the uncanny valley. Obviously, this was the thing that people were talking about for so so long, and there was a lot of things that were being done to do to to sort of fight the uncanny valley and figure it out. Well, um, you know, there were several things that I was thinking about. You know, we, people were thinking about the in-between shapes. We mentioned those earlier. It's like the points between the fact shapes and how that could help uh, uh, take the sting out of that effect of the Uncanny Valley. But uh, I was also thinking about, you know, what, has mach- what is machine learning doing to be able to make those, 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 those difficult Uncanny Valley moments happen? Because honestly speaking, between you and I, when I look at a metahuman, a metahuman is very deeply in the valley still. I mean, it is very, oh, yeah. very good. And that's part of the problem is that it is a very, very good real-time human. But it, it is so good that it's falling hard into the valley and it's going to be a- Sorry. 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 It's going to be a big effort to get out of there. So, um, so what, what, uh, what are your thoughts on, 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 on the uncanny Valley and where machine learning is going to be able to help that process? Well, I think, I think it's, you know, I, I think when you talk about the metahuman stuff, I think, you know, the, the reality is their, their focus is pu- purely on real time. Right. And, um, yep. and so at least, you know, right now, and obviously, as GPUs get faster and faster and CPUs get faster and faster, they, they just sort of win and they don't have to do anything additional for that. So um, they're sort of building that foundation for the future. But yes, trying to squish it all down in there. I think like we're looking at like, you know, if you look at just like blend shapes for the face and facial performance, because that's really what, you know, metahumans are really about the face um, at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, you need, if you're looking at a film film visual effects facial rig, you're probably looking at, you know, upwards of 750 blend shapes. Um, now you might do it with less, but you know, it could be as high as that. Um, if you're looking at, you know, something, uh, you know, game or real time related, first of all, you don't really want to use blend shapes, probably using, you know, bones, um, joints. Um, but you're, but it'd be vastly, if you use blend shapes or or something like that, you'd vastly less, probably 150, I'm guessing. Um, Well, the people just use the apple shapes now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, sure. (laughs) I think that um, as far as like, where does the machine learning go for it? Like machine learning is really about taking massive amounts of data and applying it 
in ways that would take you way too long to do. So it's really just sort of like the simulation that we're talking about. Like, so I think one thing that we didn't touch on before is like machine learning and sort of where does it go in that process? We were talking a little bit, but like the idea of like machine learning or machine learn models or uh, for cloth and hair, right? Where you're like, the idea of simulating the cloth is incredibly heavy and time consuming. Um, and if you can apply machine learning to that to get significantly better stuff way faster. And I think the same thing when you're talking about Uncali Valley, right? You're talking about like the tiny little wrinkles in the face and stuff like that and how they go together. Well, if we're talking about the, the 40 capture, it's all those like tiny little details that your brain registers, but your eyes don't necessarily, right? Like your 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 brains, your eyes see it and your, your brain's registering it, but you're not visually going, oh well, this is what's missing, or this fine detail, or this crease, or this wrinkle, or the way that it moves. And that's what you're going to get from the machine learning, right? You're going to get this massive amount of data that you can put back onto that thing without going like, oh, now I got to carve this extra little crease or first figure it out, figure out that problem. You don't even need to figure it out. You're just feeding it lots of real data and it's essentially processing that for you and figuring it out, if you will, um, and and applying that to the new thing. And I think that's the same thing, like mentioning like hair and, and, and cloth, like instead of trying to realistically simulate that or get, you know, uh, you know, just, tons and tons of pixel detail there, right? But actually getting that over time and the movement of all that kind of stuff and applying that. And I think that's what really solves the uncanny valley. And I think that's how you get there. So it's not like, um, it's it's sort of the, it's the hop, sip and the jump over, right? Like you could keep incrementing the CG side of it, the traditional approach of getting it to work and you could maybe eventually get there, but it's it's the masses amounts of data that we can't do you and can- why we try to, short circuit you could, you, you could think of this you could think of the machine learning as kind of a compression right it, it's okay. it's virtual human compression you're taking all this data whether it's animation look lighting skin texture and you're compressing it down into a thing that can be uh, put out in, in a high quality way without having to have all that data behind it it's right. it's compressed and you get that image out of it uh, and that's the way I think that it's going to happen. And, and I think it's a good explanation of, of what it really yeah, ends up as. That totally makes sense. I'm gonna, I want to I want to touch on one more thing because I think this is something else that I, you know. Let me know if I'm right or wrong on this. But you know, one of the other issues I always had when I, especially when I saw people, you know, back before the machine learning, ten, a couple decades ago or a decade ago, whatever, trying to figure this out, they the problem they had where they would always fall into in Canny Valley is that they created an uh, a negative emotional response, right? And so they would overcompensate to to get rid of that and they could never fall into where they needed to be in terms of like I'm just talking about just pure animation, for example, if they're doing a, a facial animation. Is that like, oh, oh, oh because they would they would have this this very subjective view of what they were looking at, why they knew it was wrong, but they didn't know why it was wrong and they would overreact that they couldn't get the fine details and they couldn't get a purely objective view of the digital human they were looking at. And it sounds to me like the machine learning can remove that emotional response to that thing and just purely focus on, oh, it just needs like that 3% and then you're done. You don't have to do 35% of or whatever it is. Is that, does that be true? Would you guys feel that's true in some ways? 
I do believe yeah, it. I, I have a go, go ahead, ahead. Cully. Go ahead. No, sorry. I have an example. Uh, if you, if we can share a screen of a little thing that we did uh, that can see. <laughs> there a is actually a, a share screen. And so unfortunately people who are listening to audio are going to have to, we're going to have to describe uh, it to them, but there is a share screen and there is a video version of this and I'm willing to put it up. So if you go to the bottom, you'll see something called share there. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> right. Okay. So I'm looking at did. an eye right now and I'm looking at eye movement, right? Very close up. <laughs> So as you can see, the fidelity and the, the reflection and the, the subsurface scattering, and we're changing the makeup on the fly right oh, now. Right. Uh, and then you can see the uh, the wireframe and, and right. a little over you know, the, the overlay of the wireframe here. So sure. I just wanted to show you that real quick, just a little tidbit of what we've we're uh, we're doing. Yeah, yeah, that's very that's very cool. Eyes are obviously very very important. There was something. There was a video I remember watching uh, uh, years ago. It was actually a research out of MIT. And uh, what was interesting is they would take um, they would take videos of people and people just standing still, not even moving or anything, just straight video of them holding still. And what they would do is then they would take sections of the face and they would look at that face, let's say on the cheek right here, and over frame to frame, they would look at differences in color between frame to frame, what it would be. And they would take that difference and multiply it by 100, right? And then suddenly what they're doing is you saw the blood flowing through the face, just the blood, the pulse, right? The pulse. And, exactly. so, the, and so what this sort of reminded me of was a thought that I had a conversation with a friend of mine who worked, uh, who, who was in, in the Iraq war, right? And he had said at that point, he says, you know, I, and he worked in visual effects as well. And he said, I remember seeing a dead person for the first time. And you know, that's a little morbid, I'm sorry. But he said he saw a dead person for the first time and there was nothing about the face or anything that would imply that, you know, there, there was no facial problem. I and mean, it wasn't shot in the face, let's just put it that way. And But he says immediately when he saw it, he was like, that person's not just lying there, that person's dead. You could tell, right? Like there's an emotional response that happened. And as we were looking at that video, he was like, I think we see the pulse. We just don't realize we see it. <laughs> you know, that's and a, we that's, see- That's funny. That's funny yeah. you bring that up because I was literally having this discussion with somebody the other day. And it was the, that was the idea. It was like, you know what, if that's the difference. Like, you, you know, if you have someone lay there on the ground, right? You know, there's also, you know, once, even if you sort of like feel like you've, there's less- you know, color in their face, or you've made them up for a movie, you know, right. you still sort of see that even though you don't know it versus the idea of like completely, you know, once you've stopped that blood flow completely, you don't, you don't lose the color, but you don't, you, you lose the dynamicness of it, which you right. don't, we would never register seeing that exactly. What it's, you know, you never, you, there's nothing you can actually point to is like, ah, I see the colors and you know, like, but you, but the point is being is that you would see it. And what's very interesting about this video, by the way, is that they could do it on nearly anything. They did it, they took a film from Batman, highly compressed, crappy YouTube video from Batman of uh, Christian's, uh, uh, what, uh, what's the name? Uh, Bale sleeping, Bale. sleeping in the darkness. And, and, they, and, they, and they still were able them. to get that blood flow to go through that. So we see it in almost everything. 
And it was a fascinating sort of thing to see. Like, I was just yeah, thinking you, about that. It's like, you know, that's the thing that's, that's makes us feel live or dead. Right. You've made me think about a new way to, you know, do dead people in visual effects. Just, yeah. you know, take, take a, take a still and track it over their, their, their face. So there's no actual blood movement. Interesting. Yeah. I wonder if they yeah. I wonder if they'll notice a difference. Yeah, yeah. Cool. I, I was fascinated by that. Anyway, it's it is something that you know I've been I've been thinking about. I've been fascinated about digital humans. I'm fascinated about 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 uh, the Uncanny Valley. Actually, I'm actually love the Uncanny Valley because I just wonder why it exists in the first place. You know, like why do we have this thing? Right. It's obviously a a, a, a disgust well, I mean, and fright thing that allows us to flee people with disease. I think that's the instinct. That we- <laughs> I mean, the the way the human brain works, we're literally an AI engine. We we see differences. And inference constantly in, in the face is what we see all the time. So yeah. any any little difference or inference that, that there is, you pick up on it instantly. Yep. For sure. For sure. Well, I'm very curious. You know, obviously I was trying to figure out what you guys are doing, and I know you have to remain somewhat secretive, but I'm just trying to get an idea of where you guys are living. It sounds to me like you guys are doing some fascinating work and 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 both collecting and as you say, compressing huge amounts of data uh to to create a, a smoother, better, uh and uh, faster uh real-time digital human experience. <laughs> a candy valley, if you will. A candy valley. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. Well, uh, listen, thank you so much, guys. I really appreciate you guys coming on and, and being able to share some of this great stuff with me. Uh, I can't wait to see some of the stuff. Can you mention a, the ABBA project? Were you guys involved with that ABBA project? No, we're just okay. admirers. No, no. Admirers, okay. Yeah, are there certain projects that you guys have been involved with that you guys can mention real quickly? Um, that are more public. Oh no. Okay. No. Oh, wow. You guys um, are really secretive. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> at, at the moment, no, we can't. Okay. All right. Uh, but uh, and obviously, you know, like you guys are starting to stay under the radar. But I'm I'm glad that I was able to still pick your brains and do stuff. I can't wait to find out what's going on. Uh, you know, when you guys are able to talk about stuff, would love to have you back on so you can be a little bit more public about the cool things you're doing. You guys yeah, definitely we- have the the talent behind you. That's for sure. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, we'd love to be back. Yeah. Yeah. Thank. Thanks so much for having us. It was really great to talk. I mean, I, we just love talking about digital humans anyway, regardless. <laughs> so it's it's great. It's a fun, fun place to be at, right? I mean, it's just you it know, is. It's, ble- it's the bleeding edge of all a lot of different technologies, um, hardware, software, you know, AI, machine learning, like just a lot of different things. Just you know, capture technology, like we were talking, all the stuff we're talking about. It's like you're pushing the limits of absolutely every one of those things to try to get somewhere that's never really been gotten to. So it's, it's, it's exciting stuff. It is the hardest thing. And it's, I think it's exactly the way that Colin is saying we are the most discriminatory of this uh, because this is the first thing we've learned from, uh, from our youth or from our birth is to study a face, to know if it's good or bad, <laughs> you know? Exactly. And, and so, uh, so I think that this is a, a one, like you mentioned, it is the, the, the pinnacle hardest thing to do in, in, in CG, no matter what, uh, uh, because of that, that, that emotional uh, bond that we have to faces. Uh, so really cool, uh, really cool to talk to you guys. Well, thank you guys so much. Appreciate it. Excited to know more. Uh, we uh, and love to have you guys back. All right, thanks, thanks so much. Appreciate it.